Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Pamela Jane Nye. She is the CEO, owner of Neuroscience Nursing and the founder, CEO, and board chair of Operation Scrubs, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Pamela is also an associate professor at UCLA School of Nursing, Nurse Practitioner Program. Pamela and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and Operation Scrubs 2021 Thanking a Nurse Celebration and how you can participate and honor nurses, the unsung heroes of healthcare during the National Nurses Week, which is May 6th to the 12th. Good morning, Pamela. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. It's so nice to hear from you, and thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity to speak to you and your listeners. It's a beautiful day here in California, and I realize we've got a couple time zones between us. Uh, and it's just, uh, you know, um, being being on the the West Coast, mm-hmm. and we've been uh, suffering with all the same things that the United States has suffered. It's so mm-hmm. nice to be able to hear your uh, uplifting voice, and I know that that's what you're all about is an uplifting spirit, and um, feeding feeding one's soul. I really uh, really like that concept. Well, thank you so much. That's really wonderful. It is a pleasure to have you with me. You have a very impressive curriculum vitae, and I'm very excited to hear about your story, journey, and passion for Operation Scrubs. So let us start by getting to know you a little bit better. Please give us a quick walkthrough of your childhood life to how you ended leaving the Midwest, heading to California. And, Pamela, we have a whole hour. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Johnny. Um, You're right. I was born and bred in the Midwest, and that in itself brings a certain mindset uh, to people who grew up in the middle of the country. Um, There is something called Iowa Nice, and it's a thing. You can Google it. Uh, It started with uh, some some doctors from, uh, I think they were from the Middle East, who were Mm -hmm. coming to do their practice in Iowa, which, which is where I grew up. And they were at the University of Iowa, and they were having a hard time connecting with their patients. Mm-hmm. And their patients, for the for the most part, were rural, and they were farmers. And so these doctors would come into the exam room, and they would sit down and launch right into, why are you here? What seems to be troubling you? Um, do you have pain in your leg? And the farmers would back off. And so they took these physicians aside, and they said, you can't just jump into it. You know, these people are what we call Iowa nice, and they expect you to come in and introduce yourself and ask how the family is and ask how the crops are are doing. Mm -hmm. And this was a way that they trained doctors to sort of engage with their patients before they jumped into, why are you here and what's wrong with you? So I, I have often been described as Iowa nice. And uh, I've been living in California a very long time. Do you guys use the word POPs, P-O-P, for soda? 
Oh yes, that yes, we we have pop in the Midwest. That's you have right. soda, we have pop. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so long since I've heard it. You're right. Absolutely. That's funny. So um one of the things, you know, that um you know, growing up in the Midwest, um you know, I've been around doctors and nurses my whole life, but I really never mm-hmm. thought very much about nurses. Um, they were there. They were sort of lingered around in the background of um, of the doctor because I had come to my doctor's office to see him, and, and oftentimes it was a him, and nowadays it, 50% of our doctors are female. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when I when I was introduced to nurses, they sort of were secondary to the doctor. They, they weren't up front and there, and they didn't – they weren't the first thing I, I thought of when I thought of going to a hospital or going to a clinic to see someone. And I oftentimes thought, well, you know, I wonder I wonder what they do. I wonder what it is that they contribute. And as I got older, one of my first jobs was as, back then it was called a secretary, now we would call it an assistant, mm-hmm. in a department of radiology where I typed up paper reports from the doctors and I would take those reports up to the hospital and put them on the patient's paper chart. Now you can see how really old I am. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I would put, slide that piece of paper onto the patient's um, chart so that the doctors and all the therapists and everything could read what the doctor had written. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I had the opportunity to engage with nurses and I thought, they are amazing, amazing people. And back then, they were mostly women. Mm-hmm. We had very, very few men in the in the industry, and that's all different today. But I thought, gosh, they they're so smart. I don't know if I could ever do that. Well, come to find out, you know, days rolled along, and uh, one fall, I called the school of nursing in the hospital where I was working just to sort of check things out and find mm-hmm. out, you know, what about nurses? And they said, well, you know, our our fall session is coming up in September, and we're very sorry we don't have any places or anything like that, but we will certainly keep you on a waiting list. And a week later they called me and they said, someone dropped out, you're in. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't Im- imagine that a week before I wasn't even sure what a nurse was, and now I'm sitting in class. So that's how it began, kind of. Mm-hmm. It began. It began with a bang, and <laughs> it, and I was thrilled to be there. And I was, as I learned and was around more nurses, I was amazed, and and I still am today at the knowledge level that they need to have to be nurses. Mm-hmm. So. I learned and I got um, back then what was called a diploma degree, which was a three-year degree Mm -hmm. given by a hospital. Eventually, you know, uh, I went back to school and back to school again and back to school yet again (laughs) and ended up where I am today with a master's degree. Um, But when I started this journey, I think part of it was heavily influenced by my family. my mother and father had me late in life, and so I was one of those surprise babies that uh and I was an only child they were having fertility problems, and so I was very loved and mm-hmm. I was particularly loved 
by my father, mm-hmm. who didn't think they would ever have a child. So he, I became, unbeknownst to me at the time, the light of his life. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad died when I was five, and he really never got to see what the effort and the work that he put into growing and guiding and counseling this little youngster that he so loved. So my mother and I became the terrible twosome, and we just marched through life, the two of us. Um, Eventually, uh, I did uh, decide that I wanted to uh, go to college, and I did a a full uh, search over the United States to find out where would be the best program for me to get my master's degree. By then I had gotten my nursing degree, my diploma degree, but I wanted to get a bachelor's degree and then a master's degree, and so I chose the University of California, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And packed up my car with $1,500 in my pocket and took a deep breath and a big gulp and drove across the country. I'm... enrolled into uh, UCSF, where I had been interviewed several times, and I thought for sure they weren't going to accept me. But they actually did, and I was very pleased to have enrolled in a master's program there. So that's how I got to California, from from Iowa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a very interesting I, story. Very, very interesting story. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, um, I've you know, uh, one of the, one of the questions that's oftentimes asked of me is, mm-hmm. how did you ever decide to become a nurse? You yeah. know, um, this is my opinion for what it's worth, but I think nurses are sort of made and not taught. I mm-hmm. think you mm-hmm. either are a nurse in your fibers or you're not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when it comes to dealing with someone who is ill or injured or in crisis, I don't know if you can teach empathy. Right. Teach sympathy. I think it's there. I think that the ability to step out of yourself and step Mm -hmm. into that person and the tragedy that they're experiencing takes a special person. Mm -hmm. And not everyone is cut out for it. So I I kind of was cut out for it, I guess, um, because I was always able to step into their situation, try to mm-hmm. keep a, a professional distance because, you know, when the patient and their families mm-hmm. are crying, I can't stand there and cry with them. <laughs> right. right <laughs> Although right. that's not to say I haven't shed a tear or two over the right, years. Right. right. Um, but, you know, the nurse has to be the strong one. The, the voice of reason, the ability to uh, interpret what the doctor says. You know, the doctor comes to your bedside and he oftentimes, or she, will oftentimes speak in in medical ease that few mm-hmm. people understand. And then after he or she leaves, the family or the patient looks at you and says, what did he say? There you go. And then... <laughs> And that's the point that the true art of nursing begins, and that is for someone, for a nurse, to look at this family member and say, he said it's going to be okay that your Mm -hmm. lab values came back 
normal and that you're probably going to be discharged in a couple days. Mm-hmm. And you can just see the relief. Just mm-hmm. see the relief. Um, wash away from these families and, and patients who are so very afraid oftentimes. Right. So that's how I, I got my interest in, in nursing. And eventually, the more I nursed, the more I realized that there was an area of nursing that I found fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and yes, I am the the queen of nerds, and I wear that title <laughs> proudly. <laughs> I studied neuroscience. Mm-hmm. And like I said, yes, I am the queen nerd. Um, no one else in my class of nurses wanted to study neuroscience. They said, oh, no, no, it's too complicated. It doesn't make any sense to me. Give me a nice heart, and I'll, and, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll study that. Yeah. There were three people in my class that decided that it wasn't too complicated for them. Uh, one of them went to Arizona after uh, mm-hmm. she obtained her master's degree. One of them went back to Taiwan, and I mm-hmm. stayed in California. Mm-hmm. And that was my launch into the world of neuroscience. Very, very interesting. Now you at a certain point in your life that you could go back and tell the people the way you got to California from Iowa was the fact that, yes, that was the best nursing school, but you might want to kind of flatter it up a little bit by saying, actually, I was heading out there because of the Beach Boys and surfing in USA. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was the reason, really. There yes, you yes. go. <laughs> but I have to tell my mom that, <laughs> mom, you won't believe this. Trust me, this is the one spot that's the best nursing school. I got to go there. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Never mind the beach. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So as a nurse, you know, know, once I'd gotten my master's degree, doors started opening to me. Opportunities came my way that might not have ever come to me had I stayed and been content with my bachelor's degree. Yeah. So I became um, one of the four varieties of advanced practice nurses. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. or even have heard of them. No. You've probably heard of a nurse practitioner. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most people have, and may, many of many people have visited a nurse practitioner who works with a physician, oftentimes in a clinic. Right. Um, Another kind of advanced practice nurse is the nurse midwife. And we all have a pretty good idea what he or she right. does. Mostly they're women. Um, they they birth babies. Mm-hmm. And they help mothers take care of babies in those early days until they are on their feet and ready to uh, walk the walk by themselves. Mm-hmm. A, a third uh, advanced practitioner is a nurse anesthetist. And you'll love this. You know what they do? Mm-hmm. They pass gas. No, I'm just oh. kidding. They <laughs> they provide anesthesia, much mm-hmm. the way an anesthesiologist would do. But they tend to work in clinic settings and in rural settings where mm-hmm. um, maybe uh, a doctor can't be uh, lured into a tiny farming community, and a nurse anesthetist uh, would be happy to work in those kinds of settings. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth and last uh, advanced practice nurse is me, and that's a clinical nurse specialist. Mm-hmm. That nurse is trained in a specialty area. For me, it was neuroscience, 
And I worked in that for years and years with a specific interest in stroke. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. What was the most challenging experience you encountered during your early years as a nurse? During my early years, um, I would say understanding what a person needs before they ask for it. Um, a really, really good nurse. Let's, mm -hmm. let's use an example of someone who's in pain. I had a surgery, an abdominal surgery, and that's painful. And the nurse that I remember most, and I, I'm having a hard time remembering her name, but I can remember her face and mm -hmm. I can remember her approach. And she was the one that would come to my room and say, Pam, it's about time for you to get some pain medication. I'll go get it. And I hadn't even asked for it yet. Mm -hmm. But she knew when my last dose was, and she knew it was going to wear off. And when it did, I was going to be miserable. So she didn't right. let me suffer. So alleviation of suffering, that's what nurses do. So if you can anticipate the need for pain medicine mm -hmm. before the patient is writhing in the bed, then I think you've done a good job, really. That's very interesting. Very, very interesting. That's true, though. Very, very true. Can you recall the most rewarding moment of your nursing career? Yes. Mm -hmm. I can vividly recall probably a pivotal moment in my career. There mm -hmm. were many, but there's one that sticks with me to this day, and that happened when I was a young nurse. I was a year out of school, and I was um, on a general med surge floor where we had a a mixture of patients, people who had come in for abdominal surgeries, others that had been injured and broke a leg. So you saw a little of everything. The hospital I was working in was a tiny, tiny little hospital in Iowa with only 100 beds, and it was near a lake where people used to come to fish and water ski and have fun. And in this tiny little hospital, one morning I came to work. I was working on the day shift, and... In military style, the night nurse came to me, ready to give report on my patient. And my patient was about a 25-year-old young man who was in a very serious motor ac motorcycle accident, mm -hmm. and he was in a coma. And the nurse said to me, well, there's not very much we can do for him. I'm not sure he will survive this. He is in a coma. He doesn't, um, he doesn't respond at all. Your job today is going to be keeping his body clean and private and making sure to give support to his family and making sure they're comfortable and can get through the day. So your your day is going to be spent meeting the emotional needs of this family. And I thought, holy cow, wow. And so I eventually went to his bedside, and this was back in the day when nurses just didn't sit on a bed. It wasn't done, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You could do a lot of things, but sitting on the edge of the bed wasn't one of them. Mm -hmm. And I broke that rule that day. And I sat down on the edge of his bed, and I took my blood pressure cup and wrapped it around his arm, and here was this beautiful young man, um, looked like a sleeping prince, mm -hmm. um, sort of beat up him, had bruised yeah. and battered, but his eyes were closed, and he looked very peaceful. So I wrapped my cuff around his arm, and I started to pump up the blood pressure cuff. And I sort of absentmindedly said to him, good morning. And he, without opening his eyes, said, good morning. I That was my pivotal moment. I thought I had awakened the dead. I 
couldn't imagine what had happened. And I went on to, from this, from this instance, mm-hmm. I went on to study neuroscience because he was brain injured. And as it turned out, this young man, I was probably the first one to witness him awakening from his coma. And I learned over the years that unless you ask someone to open their eyes, you know, you don't think to do that usually, but unless you ask them to do it, they won't do it. And so that morning, when I said good morning to him, maybe no one had spoken to him up to that point. And he spoke for the first time since his injury. And I was just, I was flabbergasted. And as it turned out, he awoke. He started walking with the help of a physical therapist. And we discharged him from the hospital. And it was, like I said, it was a moment for me. It was a moment that shaped my career. Wow, that's fascinating. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Fit and Talk Radio, our podcast. Available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and HopHopper. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Pamela Jane Nye. She is the CEO owner of Neuroscience Nursing and the founder, CEO, and board chair of Operation Scrub, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Pamela is also an associate professor at UCLA School of Nursing, Nurse Practitioner Program. Pamela and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and Operation Scrubs 2021, thanking the nurse celebration and how you can participate and honor nurses, the unsung heroes of healthcare during the National Nurses Week, which is May 6th to the 12th. Pamela, who were the significant influences in your life's journey? Well, I think probably one of the early ones was one of my uh, nursing instructors in my original uh, nurse training program Mm -hmm. back in the Midwest, back in Iowa. Um, And she assured me that I was going to be a good nurse and that I could do this. And on those days when my confidence was lagging, she was the one that would buoy me up and say, "Yes, you can you can do this. You just need to, you know, step up to it and you you can be a really good nurse." And then my second um influencer, I guess you'd call her. Mm-hmm. Her name is um uh, Patricia Benner. And unless you're a nurse, this name probably doesn't mean very much to you, but she is one of the last living nursing theorists. And she was one of my professors at UCSF in San Francisco and read my comp. When she gave my paper back to me, it was more red than black. And I thought, oh, my God, (laughs) she failed me. I failed this darn paper that I've been working on for the entire semester. And it wasn't that at all. She was amazed at what I had chosen to study. And as a result, she she wrote a book, and almost every nurse knows this book. It's called From Novice to Expert, mm-hmm. uh, and it's a it's an, a nurse training book. It's a way of looking at how nurses learn based on something called the Dreyfus model of the way pilots learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In other words, learning to fly an airplane is apparently similar to the way a nurse gathers information. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said, many, 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 many nurses have her book. I, I'm lucky enough to have a an autographed version of it, and she was one of my mentors and uh, and one of my associate professors. So those were two very influential people in my life. That's fascinating. At some point, something happened that shifted your gear, and you became a nurse entrepreneur. Please tell us about that. Well. Uh, actually, I've been a nurse entrepreneur a couple times. Uh, the mm-hmm. first time was in uh, 2004. Mm-hmm. I was working at UCLA uh, as a research nurse, and I was working with a, a very, very well-known neurologist, in fact, worldwide-known neurologist. His name is Jeffrey Saver. Um, he's written the books, written the guidelines. Um, he is the grandfather of stroke for medical uh, medical uh, teaching, and he's also an, uh, a professor at UCLA. I was working for him in uh, in a study called the Fast Mag Clinical Trial, and it was um, it caused him to have to go all over the country to meet with other neurologists. And when he would come back from his meetings, he would always lament and, and cry on our shoulders and say, "Oh my God, we've got." primary stroke centers in New York. We've got them in Florida. There's a couple of them in Texas. There's one in Southern California, UCLA. It's awful. It's embarrassing. We need to have more. And he would go on and on about his disdain for the fact that we couldn't seem to to get other hospitals Mm -hmm. to climb on board. And I thought, hmm, I could do this. I understood stroke. I understood his guidelines as he had written them. I understood the principles of the Joint Commission. I could do this. Mm-hmm. And so I quit my job. He wasn't too happy about it. But he was very happy about the fact that I had decided then that I would take on all these hospitals in Southern California. And there's, um, I, I think there's something like 25 or 30 hospitals just in Southern California. And I took them on one at a time and brought 16 of them up as primary stroke centers. Now, I didn't do it single-handedly, of course. Mm -hmm. Each one of these hospitals had a team, and I led that team as a consultant. And so I would go into the hospitals, and I would take a look at what they had, at what they had done, at what their medical team looked like, what their nursing team looked like, what kind of work had been done in the emergency room and in the ICU. And then I would write a report saying, this is what you have, this is what you need, I can do this in dot, 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 number of months. Mm -hmm. And I did that over and over and over again. And that was how I sort of got my entrepreneurial feet wet. (laughs) That's a wonderful story. What drove that is your passion to basically help people. And so did that brought the ideas to Operation Scrub? It actually did. Um, the I knew at the time that I was mm-hmm. helping these hospitals that the kind of care that we were giving in hospitals was adequate. Well, mm-hmm. adequate isn't a hospital where I want to get my stroke care. I want to go to a hospital where I know that the care is excellent. And so if I was going to impact many, many, many people all over, you know, for me, Southern Mm -hmm. California, I could do that through increasing the standard of care given by these hospitals. 
So that is what eventually um, drove my interest in creating Operation Scrubs. Operation Scrubs is um, a nonprofit. It's a 501c3, so Mm -hmm. we accept donations, but that's not what we're about. I'm really about honoring nurses, and and I'm sure you're thinking, well, that's kind of a leap from going about, you know, training hospitals to become primary stroke centers. Actually, it's not, because who do you think I spent most of my time teaching and guiding and mentoring? It was nurses. Right. And as I started getting up close and and personal with these nurses, I realized they were hungry for information and they were hungry for guidance, and I was there to give it. So that's how Operation Scrubs came to be. Um, the, the American public has really never fully understood what a nurse was. Mm-hmm. They had some vague idea that maybe they came with a room rate in the hospital, but they really didn't know you know, what kind of a mind they had. They're critical thinkers. They are fixers like I've never seen before. And who do you think is there in the hospital with you 12 hours a day? It's the nurse. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not to denigrate the doctor. He right, comes right. in or she comes in in the morning, makes early morning rounds, takes a look at how you're doing, takes a look at your chart and your lab values and whatnot, and then tells the nurse, do this, 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 and this today and I'll be back around 4 o'clock. But while he's gone, or she, you know, I'm not going to go back and forth with gender. I'm just going to call the doctor a he. It's going to drive me nuts. Um, So when the doctor is gone, the eyes and the ears of that doctor are actually in the embodiment of the nurse. Right. The nurse knows what a person should look like. They know what normal is. And when there is a deviation from normal, They know not to ignore it. Sometimes even the smallest things can be significant and can be the very first step to a downward trend for someone's someone's well-being for that day. And so they are in constant communication with the doctor while the doctor is in his office. That's true, though, because a lot of times the nurse being the supporting role, they're not necessarily as appreciated as much as the doctor. Because I would be, uh, where's the doctor? I need to see him or her, like, right now. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't work that way because most of the time, actually, having said that, since the nurse spends that amount of time with you, the five, six hours in between visits, they actually know you better than the doctor would. That's actually quite true, uh, <laughs> certainly for that day. Um, right. Because the nurse comes in and does a full assessment. They listen to your lungs. They listen to your heart mm-hmm. and your abdomen and everything else first thing in the morning, and that becomes the nurse's baseline for the day. That's right. And if, yeah. if you deviate from that, that nurse is going to be on top of you, wanting to know what's right. going on, and uh, will be communicating that then to the doctor, which is crucial to the doctor's mm-hmm. being able to do his job. Right, right. Be- because if he's standing around in the dark and doesn't know what's going on with his patient when he's not there, Right. He can't do a good job either. And I say this respectfully. I don't know. I haven't been to the hospital for a very long time. But having said that, good. like <laughs> technically, when you go to see a doctor these days, I mean, I hate to say it, but it, it's because of the structure of our system. 
actually you wait like 30 minutes or to an hour and you see the doctor for five minutes. And having said that again, who do you think know you more than the doctor, the nurse? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Um, and, you know, um, again, I don't want to disparage doctors because they, yeah, they yeah, yeah. Oh, do no, amazing things. No, and I know yeah. you weren't either. Yeah. But they're, the nurse practitioners, when they're properly utilized, mm-hmm. can free up a doctor to do things that only a doctor can do because there's a fair right. amount of um, sort of uh, boring, banal things that have to be done <laughs> for every patient to keep the, the insurance company satisfied. Right. That right. can be done by a nurse practitioner and free mm-hmm. up that doctor for doing procedures and mm-hmm. um you know, wound care and that sort of thing. Right. So there right. is a a definite need for nurses, good nurses. So I'm I'm a big advocate. If you're thinking <laughs> about being a nurse, sign up. We need you. <laughs> Your organization does a wonderful job in terms of really promoting careers and ambitions and goals. Can you share with us the scholarship programs you offer through Operations Club? Absolutely. Happy to. I'm very proud of this. Um, I'm in a place in my life and in my career where I'm lucky enough to be able to give back. And one of the ways that I decided to give back was through scholarship. And um, I have about eight, and I've got them listed here. I'm going to read from a piece of paper for you. I've got Mm -hmm. about eight different um, organizations and universities that have accepted scholarships from me. The scholarships are of a a couple different styles. Each one, Mm -hmm. each uh, facility sort of uh, fashions it to to their membership, which I I fully uh, back. Um, So these are oftentimes higher education scholarships or neuroscience scholarships, or entrepreneurial scholarships. And that's, like I said, each one of the facilities that I'm going to read to you just now. I don't like to read to people, but I'm going to do it in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, the National the National League of Nursing is about 45,000 nurses across the United States. The National Association of Clinical Nurse Specialists, the Association of California Nurse Leaders, University of California, Los Angeles, that's UCLA, and then the UCLA School of Nursing. University of California, San Francisco, that's UCSF, and the UCSF School of Nursing. University of Iowa, College of Nursing. The last two are two of my favorites, Greater Los Angeles Veterans Healthcare. Mm -hmm. We're going to get our veteran nurses advanced um, education and the Martin Luther King Hospital in Los Angeles. So those are the hospitals that have accepted scholarship money, and they're going to honor their nurses through a $2,000 scholarship, through Operation Scrubs, and my work in association with the American Heart Association where the money is kept. And then it's released um, oftentimes during Nurses Week because that's when they do their Mm -hmm. awards and whatnot, and sometimes... The schools uh, do their awards in the spring and in the fall when the semester mm-hmm. begins. So I'm very proud of this. Um, it's it's my way of ensuring that we continue to have good nurses, educated nurses, right. that are going to carry us through the next few decades. Right. 
Well, you're doing a fantastic job, and I'm so glad you mentioned the various organizations because they need to be recognized. And these are, if nothing else, and I say again, disrespectfully, the nurses actually were thrusted to the front lines, to the front page of every news media because of the pandemic. And so yes. seeing it on TV is one thing, but to be there in real life, real situations, is a different scenario. And I don't think people really understand the magnitude of the circumstance. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, Johnny, these nurses are you know, putting on their shoes and walking into the cesspool mm-hmm. of the virus every day. And they do it um, using their brains, using um, the skills that they've been taught and they've learned over the years, but always with a lingering doubt in the back of their minds as to what they're bringing home to their families. Mm-hmm. But they mm-hmm. still do it. And right. that's a commitment. Right. Every one of us has the ability to be apathetic about situations. Now, I mean, maybe there are exceptions to the rules where someone really just don't. But having said that, some people wear it on their sleeves. And majority of True. the time, these are the people that are just natural. A lot of people say you're born to be a caregiver, a nurse, and so forth. And then there are other people that just need a little restructuring in their personal thoughts Perhaps they are fearful, don't want to intrude, and that's what schooling is all about. <laughs> Nursing school exactly. is supposed to draw that out of them. But in the end, under those kind of crisis situations, I would think they are put in a very tough spot to make that decision, the professional side of the equation and then the personal side of the equation. You have, you have nailed it down beautifully. It is definitely a tug of war for mm-hmm. these nurses. Uh, you know, and, and many of the nurses are the ones uh, that are working um, in the emergency room because these right. people are coming in. Many of them are, um, you know, have poor pulmonary function, and they come in coughing, and that we know is how uh, this virus is spread. And mm-hmm. so the nurses, if you were to go into today's uh, emergency room, you would find these nurses looking like they were wearing hazmat suits. Mm-hmm. They are zipped up to their necks, and they oftentimes have helmets on, and they even have a tube coming out of the back of their helmet that's attached to their waistline, giving them fresh air that's been mm-hmm. filtered. It's a very different world right now. But, you know, God bless them. They're still graduating from nursing school, and they're still marching forward. So, you know, what's not to honor in, right. in a case like this? Right. Right. And, so and that's what I intend to do. Wonderful. You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio, our podcast, available on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, MixCloud, Podchaser, Listen Notes, and Hophopper. My guest is Pamela Jane Nye. She is the CEO owner of Neuroscience Nursing and the founder, CEO, and board chair of Operation Scrubs, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Pamela is also an associate professor at UCLA School of Nursing, Nurse Practitioner Program. Pamela and I are having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey and Operation Scrubs 2021, thanking a nurse celebration and how you can participate and honor nurses, the unsung hero of healthcare during National Nurses Week, which is May 6th to the 12th. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Pamela, how does self-care fit into a nurse's life? Self-care is paramount to a nurse's 
physical and mental health. And sometimes it gets overlooked because mm-hmm. you have to remember who makes up the biggest bulk of nurses. These are nurse these are people, these are you know, 90% women who are trying to juggle a home, a career, and a family. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes their own mental health is swept under the carpet. So sometimes hospitals are helping with this. I know at UCLA, I am so proud of the work that they've been doing around keeping nurses mentally well. We have um, special classes they can go to. We have um, yoga classes. We have Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, guided imagery that's available to help nurses to go to, to within themselves and to relax. We have um special awards and whatnot for nurses who have who have done well and we are acknowledging them like never before. And that I also I, I'm very proud to say that UCLA is very much in favor of the work that I'm doing with uh this National Nurses Association um week of the nurse coming up mm-hmm. on, as you mentioned earlier, May 6th through the 12th. We're going to be honoring nurses uh, by a full week of, number one, the wall. The wall has been something that is incredibly interesting to mm-hmm. everybody, and you can go online and look. Go ahead and give them the website that they could go to. Oh, okay. Well, it's www. Thank a nurse team challenge dot org all together, no dots, no dashes. One more time, www thank a nurse team challenge dot org. And by going on to this website, which will become uh which will you can go in and browse today, but on May sixth the wall will open up. And this is the wall of gratitude. So you, your sister, your cousin your next-door neighbor, anyone who has had contact with a nurse and wants to say thank you. Maybe you want to say something like, I broke my ankle last week and the nurse who took care of me in the emergency room was amazing. I think her name was Amy. And you can put that on the wall. Mm -hmm. And it's going to have your name next to it. And so we're hoping that the United States will all step up and honor the 5 million nurses in the United States, or the 27 million nurses in the world. We are hoping our goal is to be able to say thanks a billion Mm -hmm. to nurses all over the world. So we're not limiting this to the United States. We're not limiting it to nurses. We're, We're saying if you are part of the human race, Mm-hmm. please, please feel free to go and write your message on the wall. And this wall will be there in perpetuity, and it will mm-hmm. be there for a nurse, maybe who's having a bad day, mm-hmm. to log on, look, and see that the American public and the world, the public of the world, does appreciate them. They they do make a difference, and what their work is doing has meaning. And you know what? You can give a nurse a box of candy or a bouquet of flowers, but the most meaningful thing you can do for a nurse is acknowledge what he or she has done for you this day has meaning and is right. going to make a difference in their lives. 
the national appreciation for nurses is from May 6th to the 12th. Will the wall be continuously open afterwards or in case someone yes. missed the deadline? Absolutely, okay. it will. It will open up on May 6th. We will mm-hmm. unveil it at the Nighton Gala on okay. May 12th, and I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, mm-hmm. But it will continue on because I'm standing up and I'm saying 2020 was the year of the nurse. It right. was lost. The pandemic took it away. Mm-hmm. The racial strife took it away. The political right. scene took it away, and it was swept mm-hmm. under the carpet. I'm calling 2021 the year of the nurse plus one. Mm-hmm. This is the 200th birthday of Florence Nightingale, which mm-hmm. happened last year, and we're going to celebrate her 201st birthday this year. Mm-hmm. The Nightingale will happen on May 12th. It will be uh, a webcast, and people will be able to log on and look at the celebration. The scholarships will be awarded this day. The, there will be music and dancing and a harbor cruise and dinner. And nurses will be treated like the celebrities they are. And that's my goal. I want nurses to feel special. That's really wonderful. Well, they deserve it. What's interesting about it is that nurse in general, the position has always been behind the scenes. They're always behind the doctor, sure. even though they do a lot of stuff. But they're behind the doctor, right? You don't ask for the nurse, you ask for the doctor. <laughs> exactly. When you thank, you thank the doctor. You don't thank the support crew <laughs> who are actually the exactly. ones that prop everything up. With the last year and a half, the situation all of a sudden right now, you really see them stepping up to meet the demands. Now is the time for us to step up and thank them for their efforts. Absolutely. Uh, something that I've said over and over again, and that is you really don't think about nurses until you need one. That's right. Yeah. Oh, no question about it. We take it for granted. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have a favorite story about needing Mm -hmm. a nurse, and it has to do with a young man who was falling off of a scaffolding, Mm -hmm. and um, I I took care of this man um, Mm -hmm. when I was doing bedside nursing. And when he fell from the scaffolding from... I think it was a first floor, Um, he was doing a painting job. He fell forward head first and broke his fall by putting his hands out so that he didn't go head first, like diving Mm -hmm. into a swimming pool, but he put his hands out and broke both of his arms. And so when he was treated by the physician, the physician put him in what we call extension casts. In other Mm -hmm. words, his arms were extended out in front of him and he couldn't bend at the elbow. Well, if you can't bend both hands at the elbow, you can't even scratch your nose or blow your nose if it's (laughs) dripping, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to get too uncomfortable, but there are a lot of other things that you can't, in fact, do for yourself. And that you have to depend. You know, modesty goes out the window, I'm sorry. But that nurse... You know, and, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you couldn't take care of yourself and and take care of personal things that you don't let anybody, you know, nobody, not not husbands, not wives, not anybody, um, is left to a nurse. But a nurse will do this without even flinching and make you feel okay while she is doing it. What's interesting, Pamela, is that unless you personally experience that, you would not have that sense of genuine appreciation. You have to walk through the process and then realize, oh, my gosh, this is yeah. really big, really big. Yes. 
yes. It's like my little story. It's so graphic yeah. that when people think about not being able to bend your elbows mm-hmm. and what that would mean, you couldn't button your shirt, you couldn't right. drink from a glass, you couldn't mm-hmm. cut your food and put it in your mouth, mm-hmm. you literally can't do anything. Right, right. So then, true. then we're thinking of nurses. <laughs> <laughs> I need you. Hey. The best thing happened to me. I agree. I totally agree. And I think that's natural. That's part of the fact that if it's not happening to me, who cares? It's when it happens exactly. to you, that's when it really kicks in and have that sense of appreciation. One of the things that you've gone through, which is very, very interesting, can a bucket list be considered a self-care? You know, I think it can. Um mm-hmm. You know, I I try really hard to work hard and play hard. Mm-hmm. And when, um, you know, uh, one of my favorite uh, guys is my sweetie. His name is Chuck. And when Chuck was, was asking me about my bucket list, and I, and I said, well, gosh, I'd never really thought about it too much. I'd kind of like to see the Grand Tetons. And he said, mm-hmm. I think you should jump from an airplane. And I said, <laughs> what? <laughs> You're talking to a nurse here. I want both feet on terra firma. I want to <laughs> I want to know where I am. And he said no and he arranged it and I had such a good time. And mm-hmm. so that was one thing that I checked off my bucket list. It's one thing to have a bucket list. It's mm-hmm. another thing to start checking things off of it. <laughs> and I, and I think that's important. Wonderful. Really wonderful. You mentioned one time earlier about the fact that if someone wants to be a nurse, by all means, please do. How about the ones that really are thinking and contemplating, but they're on the fence simply because they don't quite understand what it all entails? So do you have a recommendation for those people what they could do besides Googling it and to really get their feet wet before they dive in, so to speak? Absolutely, I do. And I think one of the one of the nicest things you can do, and it really is a help for helping you shape your career, is volunteer. Mm-hmm. And I have always done that. Um, I've always been very active in my community. And, you know, if you um, are a young man or a young woman who is thinking of a nursing career and thinking, gosh, I don't know what that entails. Do I really want to do that? Um Contact the hospital. Contact the hospital volunteer program and see if you can spend a little time with a nurse. Maybe you can uh, be the one who gives everybody fresh water that morning. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets one of those little carafe pitcher mm-hmm. type things. And somebody has to put fresh water and ice in it every day. Why not you? And you get a chance to talk to people. And, you know, um, I've been... I think we mentioned this before the show. I've been getting vaccine. Mm-hmm. And it you know for me it meant going back to the hospital and behaving more like a nurse and less like a clinical nurse specialist. <laughs> and so I've been able to really get to know these people at a granular level where they look at me and I can see the fear in their eyes and I can respond to that. And when I see somebody who is fearful I can approach them in a different way. You know, if you've never had that experience, whether you are a dog trainer or you're working at Macy's selling, Mm -hmm. you know, women's sweaters, if you've never been there, 
it's hard to imagine it unless you are. So walking the walk in a way that is safe is probably a really good way to do it. Another way to do it is I've had high school students follow me around for a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was through our volunteer program. And uh, one of the other volunteer programs I'm very involved in is the American Heart Association STEM for Girls. Mm-hmm. And STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. And mm-hmm. these are young women who are not afraid to step into the sciences. Most mm-hmm. most girls, and I'm talking about 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, um, lean toward the arts. You know, right. they like music and art and that sort of thing. But very, very few of them are bold enough to say, you know, I understand physics and I kind of like math and get into the sciences. So, you know, following following a nurse or following a clinical nurse specialist or a nurse practitioner and just hanging mm-hmm. out in the clinic for a day is a really great way to get your feet wet. Fantastic. As we close this hour, since our show is about people, family, and living life, would you like to share a recipe for living with our listeners this morning? I would. You start with a large cup of empathy, and you add a pinch of tears, the ability to feel. Sprinkle lightly with a recipe that has been sprinkled with good times and roll out thinly and bake until fully fully well. So start with a good, solid beginning and grow it. Grow it like a good yeast bread over time. That's fantastic. Pam, thank you for the great recipe for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me next Tuesday morning, May 4th. My guest will be Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Read, Laugh, Repeat, 101 Laughing Out Loud Stories. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to FromMyMama'sKitchenTalkRadio.com. Thank you for listening and have a better week. Pamela, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a very blessed day. Thank you so much for allowing me to come. And all your listeners go on to www.thankanurseteamchallenge and write your message on the wall on May 6th. Put it on your calendar. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's beautiful. Go ahead and repeat it one more time, the website. One more time. It's www.thankanurseteamchallenge.org and register. Today you can look around, but on May 6th, if you put it on your calendar as a reminder to yourself, you can put your message on the wall. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Pam. Have a blessed, wonderful day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.